like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at the $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt Santi, and uh, Ray Pika is back today with us. Hi, Ray. Like a bad penny. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, of course not. Um, but but you're here today to talk about a new book. Yes, I do seem to have a writing disease. This is my <laughs> 21st. Oh, um, no ideas right now for 20 seconds, so we're mm-hmm. safe for a while. But I, I do love to write. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for having me, Heather. No, um, it's my pleasure. And the book is called, What If We Taught the Way Children Learn? more straight talk about bettering education and children's lives. And it's following up on the, what if, what if we all understood, what if everyone understood child development? development. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Which is, um, two pressing questions there. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Yes, you're right. Um, I thought you meant I had us pressing questions. I was going through your questions. Um, so, so let's jump into this. I just finished the book a couple days ago. I've, um, I've had it and I've been working my way through. And then yesterday or the day before yesterday, I just was like, nope, finishing it. Gotta, gotta just get through it all. Um, so the format is for folks who haven't seen it yet, you, you ask a series of, of questions about um, current practice and what we know about how children really learn and some disconnects that you, that you're seeing. So it's, but it's so, um, it's so sort of well put together and just flows um, and, and each one can kind of be read on its own. So I think that's, um, you know, some people aren't, you know, I, you know, I'm not really a reader, but this would be a great book for even if you're not a sit down and read a whole book reader. Because yeah, short little chance, uh, um, chance, rants, raise rants, uh-huh. short little chapters or essays, whatever you want to call yeah, them. And, and with they lots don't have of- to be read in a particular order. If something resonates with you or you're having a, a, a certain issue, you uh-huh. can turn to that particular rant, you know, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and resources then at the end of yes. each of those rants. So we can get Yes, I mean, paper. if you want to take it further, there's there are other places to look for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. And then some, some guidelines as to, you know, what you can do in your own practice. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a really, 
good combination for me of like theory and actual practice. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of times some people think that's what's missing and that's why they don't just read a book because it's theory. Um, but this really matches them together really well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my, my live presentations have always been a blend of theory and practice too. Uh-huh. And now my online presentation, yeah. my virtual ones. Uh, I, I've, I've been in sessions before where, where they're so packed. People are, are, you know, hanging off the ceiling and it's all practice. Mm-hmm. And I thought, mm, you know, I could get more people if I just did that, but mm-hmm. I've got to give them the theory too. Yeah. I just have to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's important for us all. If we want to be really intentional teachers, we have to understand the why behind the what and the what is certainly easier to just hear about and copy, but the why makes it deeper yeah, and, and easier to connect. And, um, Thanks for that. Maybe that's just my nerd perspective, but that's what I think you're doing right, Ray. <laughs> I'm glad somebody thinks I'm doing something right. <laughs> All right. I'm going to read the quote that, that I've got picked from the book to start our conversation. And um, so in the, it's actually just right in the introduction. You say, I don't believe that natural childhood behaviors should be pathologized, nor do I believe that they should be merely tolerated. Rather, I wish that we could celebrate all that childhood involves. Um, so I'm going to ask you in just a minute to tell me more about what, why you wrote that. <laughs> but, I, but I first want to say that I also just appreciate anytime people talk about childhood rather than specifically this little classroom situation we've got. We're, we're thinking about their whole childhood and, and what they need as whole children. Yes. And Yes. Uh, I and am that, for 40 years. <laughs> for 40 years I've been dedicated to the development and education of the whole child yeah so right. we, we pretend they only exist from here up and it's just ridiculous and that attitude is doing children a lot of harm because mm-hmm. yeah. you know the the failure to realize that the mind and body are connected is what keeps them um uh, seated you know they have to sit to learn which is mm-hmm. ridiculous mm-hmm. um and it's the reason why 40% of elementary schools in this country have eliminated recess, you know, because we failed to understand that the body has to be part of it too. Mm-hmm. So, and that again is part of childhood. Yeah. It's what mother nature intended. Yeah. I think it's, 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 it's not more important now, but differently important maybe now that so many children are having to do virtual learning, even in, you know, young three, four, five-year-olds are being asked to, to participate in virtual learning um, because that really takes the, uh, the expectation of no movement kind of to another level for me. Um, and and I've, I've been getting lots of emails from parents who, who I know and have worked with who want tips for um, keeping them still while they do their e-learning. And I was like, well, my tip is that you have a conversation with the teacher and share this information. Good for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, two things spring to mind when you, when you say all that. The first is a story I heard about a, a mom who felt guilty because she couldn't sit with her child because she was working from home. She couldn't sit with her child the whole time he was in front of the computer. Uh-huh. And he was in front of the computer from eight to two. So that's five hours. Yes. Yeah. And he was three, Ooh, six hours, three, three years old, years old. 
you know, and, and I have no idea what the second thing was because it's just left my head. Sure. <laughs> well, that hurts my heart. I mean, that's the kind of stories that I'm hearing. And um, if I'm honest, I'm sending them lots of things from your acting outbook. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. There's so many good ideas of come to mind is that people don't realize that there's a process involved. We don't expect them to run before they crawl or walk. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't expect them to read Plato before they know the alphabet. Yeah. These are slight exaggerations, but we expect them to sit before their bodies are prepared to sit. Yeah. And what prepares them to sit, what nature intended, is for them to move, you know, to spin and twirl and hang upside mm-hmm. down and jump and run and change directions and do all of those things that develop the proprioceptive and vestibular systems. Mm-hmm. Um, the proprioceptive sense is the one that allows you to know where you, your body and body parts are in the space around you. So I, I can reach for this bottle of water and bring it to my mouth without having to watch it. Mm-hmm. You know, I can walk up the stairs without looking at my feet. We can all do that. And the, the vestibular sense is, of course, related to balance. Mm-hmm. So uh, if those aren't developed, what's happening is, and I tell the story in the book of, of, of children falling out of their seats. They are falling out of their seats. Mm-hmm. One teacher, one first grade teacher described it as, you know, watching penguins try to sit on their seat. Um, she counted in one week. It happened 44 times. That, that is amazing. Greatest fell out of the seats. This is not what nature intended. No, no. And so it's um, the, I mean, that, so that just reminds me of another conversation I've had with, with a parent recently uh, regarding virtual learning specifically, but um, uh, they just wanted, you know, their child wouldn't sit in front of the computer. So they're asking me for fidget ideas and fidget ideas are fine, but they don't meet that need for whole body movement that you're kind of describing that needs to happen before those senses are developed that will allow them to spend the time if yes. they absolutely have to spend the time looking at the computer or sitting still in school. Yes, there's no reason why virtual learning can't also include the brain breaks, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that we can't respect the... Um, the nature of children mm-hmm. because children naturally have uh, alternating vigorous and quiet periods. You know, they, they, they set a pace that mm-hmm. works for them and just sitting and staring all that time. And if you get one of my colleagues started about what that's doing for their eyesight, I mean, that's, sure. you know, but then the rest of it is, is sitting is just, it's not how they learn. Yeah, uh, Eric Jensen, you know, that brilliant educator who's written a bazillion books on brain-based learning, says the learning brain can only absorb, you know, a handful of minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. And, and after that, it's, it's senseless. So if we're sitting a three-year-old in front of the computer for all that many hours, it's, it's pointless. Yeah. And they're yeah. going to hate learning. Exactly. They, they develop such um, negative ideas about their own ability as a learner mm-hmm. and about how school makes them feel yes. and, and they internalize that and they take that with them. I, I remember that very well in a couple specific areas in my own childhood where I had really negative experiences, you know, with a specific content area, not necessarily with whole day school, but, um, but it stays with you and it's hard to undo. 
It does. Um, as you get down there. Me. Yeah. It really does. And that's also part of the reason I believe that they're acting out. Sure. Because they have no other way to express their frustration. Mm -hmm. You know, if they can't please the important adults in their lives because they're not developmentally equipped to do so, yeah. asking them to do things, you know, that they're not yet ready to do, yeah. then they get frustrated and they do their self-esteem plummets and, and all of that. And so... Yeah. We have more behavior challenges than ever before. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, a, and a single fidget toy or bouncy seat isn't going to solve that. <laughs> you know, it's no. a bigger picture we help. need to look at. That can, can be help. a tool. That a can be a piece. Research now about fidgeting and how children need to right. you know, perform repetitive movements or whatever in order to, to focus better. Mm -hmm. But if we say sit still, sit still, then that's all some children can concentrate on is that, you know, is obeying that one command mm -hmm. and not whatever task we've assigned them to do. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. but the, the fidgeting can help. Like you said, it's sure. just one small piece. It's, one it's small a tool. tool. Yeah. And it doesn't take the place of that whole big body stuff that they it need. Does not. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and, and so you, you talk in the book a lot about movement. There's a whole section that's that's really about movement. You talk about these reasons that we're seeing the more challenging behaviors that you just touched on, but you have one that, that caught my attention particularly, which was um, disruptive children are drugging and dismissing them our only option. And that was such a powerful way of sort of encapsulating what I see happening over the last several years is it's so many, so many adults are more willing to try to think up a label that fits and explains mm -hmm. what's happening with mm -hmm. the child. And then sometimes that leads to medication. Sometimes that leads to suspension or expulsion on the, on the other extreme. Yeah. Um, so what do you want people to, to think about? That's where that before they jump from. to that. But yeah, that's yeah. where that quote kind of came from. We're yeah. pathologizing childhood. Yeah. You no, know, we are, seeing their inability to sit still and their need to play and, and their need to move, you know, all the things that children were meant to do, we're seeing it all as something that needs to be either punished or um, medicated. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't understand it. I don't <laughs> understand. I mean, I know sometimes they just get on your last nerve, right? I mean, yeah. you, you want them to sit still, you want them to be quiet. But if we, if we go into the early childhood field, I mean, if, if we as early childhood educators don't appreciate them for the children that yeah. they are, why are we there? Yeah. You know, we really should understand child development mm -hmm. and we should, I know that some people are, you know, administrators and policymakers are keeping a lot of teachers from teaching the way they right. learn. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm planning a revolution. It's time for an uprising. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. parents, parents, want the best for their children. There's no Absolutely. doubt about that, Heather, but they just don't always know what that is. They're getting a lot of misinformation. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, a mom who thinks that a three-year-old is supposed to sit still for five hours in front of a computer doesn't really understand what is right mm -hmm. for a child. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it, it's definitely true that some of the, and honestly, I'll just call it malpractice and that will offend somebody, I'm sure, but some of the malpractice that I see in early childhood classrooms in this area, jumping to a label or jumping to a diagnosis rather than really understanding what's going on, um, 
part of the reason might be that administrator and definitely the policymakers are setting the stage. But if we really understood child development, I think we would be able to find a better way to work within that system until the revolution comes. Until the revolution comes. But I just see so many people that just sit back and say, well, I, I don't have a choice. This is what I have to do. And um, that makes me deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> me too. I know I'll be the first to admit it's easy for me to say, you know, start an uprising because I'm an independent consultant. I work for myself. No one tells me how to do my job. Or mm-hmm. No one holds the threat of being fired over mm-hmm. my head. Um, but I was doing I was doing some training at a county here in Virginia a couple of years ago, and I got the chance to go three times, which is very unusual. Mm-hmm. So on the third time there, one of the teachers raised her hand, and this young woman says, "Why are you here?" And I thought, well. That's an interesting question. <laughs> I don't because they paid me to be here. I don't, what do you want me to say? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and, and she said, will you come and you, you tell us these things that we should be doing with the children, but then the county doesn't let us do them. Uh, wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. So then another teacher raised her hand and said, yeah, I was, um, I was dinged by an administrator for doing one of the activities you showed us last time you were here. Oh, wow. And then a third teacher, bless her, raised her hand and said, so what if they ding you? What are, you, what are they going to do? Fire you? They can't get enough good teachers. <laughs> you know. So you and I would hope that there would be more teachers like that third one who would say, screw it. Right? <laughs> you know, it. I'm going to do what's best <laughs> for the children. <laughs> That's, yeah, and honestly, I mean, I've been a center director. I know that it's hard to replace teachers and you don't just fire them. Like it was really hard for me to get the ones that I really felt were doing harm sure, <laughs> fired yeah. sometimes because of employment law and, you know, all those things that make it difficult. I just don't really know. The fear may be there. I don't know that the reality is that people are getting fired. Yeah, I don't know for, either. For doing these but practices. we do live in a fear-based curious. Society. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. we make a lot of our decisions about a lot of things based yeah. on fear these yeah. days. Yeah. And I guess I don't know that that does, that makes the fear less valid, but it's right. something to think about. It's a, it's something that needs to be explored, I think. Yeah. So at the, at the end of, of the book, you do a lot of talking about advocacy, advocacy, I couldn't say the word. And that's kind of where you're going with this revolution, right? So do you have advice or tips or Oh, I always slogans have. for the revolution. <laughs> Many opinions. Yes, Ray's revolution is coming. I'm actually earlier today. I was working on a new online course that's going to be uh, ECE Advocacy 101. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I would like to let people know that it doesn't have to be as intimidating as we might think. That there are simple things that we can do. Yeah, uh, certainly calling ourselves teachers or educators as opposed to like a daycare worker or something like that. You know, the words matter and, and just telling our stories. We had, I had a colleague several years ago now say to me for too long, teachers have been told to shut up and do their job and they've just complied. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we don't have to get behind the podiums or get on the rooftops and shout but, you know, I, I thought about this as I was working on the course this morning. If you had a social event and somebody says, what do you do for a living? You know, you probably say, I'm an early childhood educator. Mm-hmm. 
you don't say, oh, I'm just a preschool teacher or you're not just in anything, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Take if, just out of the vocabulary. <laughs> yes. If, if you show pride in your work and, and, and you share your stories, you know, maybe you had a success story mm -hmm. um, that week with, with a particular child and you tell it with that passion in your heart, it's going to open up their eyes. They're going to, to start to respect you. Mm -hmm. So just, just little things like that make up advocacy. Right. And it doesn't have to be storming the Capitol building <laughs> with, your, with your, uh, your ideas and your legislation. It, it can right, be right. Daily, yeah. daily changes that we make. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, we can storm it too if we, if we feel For like some it. people, that's their comfort. That's their skill. That, I was um, looking really for a, um, a public domain photo I could use on a slide of a warrior. And there was Zena, you know. <laughs> it's like <laughs> we don't all feel comfortable being warriors fighting the... Uh, yeah, the, whatever the whatever the that evil. battle is yeah <laughs> yeah i just I, I think sometimes the word advocacy is um uh intimidating to people who are you know There's doing a, the daily work and just surviving with the choice. children every day and yeah. um, but it, it can be those little things i one of the highest compliments i've ever been paid and this was just within the last couple of years a colleague said to me, I think potential volunteers should all talk to you because I can't imagine anyone listening to you talk about children and not wanting to do something about, about it. Um, and, and so that for me, that was like, so that's my advocacy right now is I'm just yeah, really within nice. my circle, um, within the people that I come in contact with. And of course, I have a broader circle because of the podcast and the internet uh, things. But uh, just, just to tell my stories and share my passion is, is a piece of that advocacy. And we can all do that. Absolutely. And you know what they say about ripples in the pond. I mean, you know, it sure. eventually becomes a big old wave. So yeah, yeah. maybe there's a better word. I'll have to look for synonyms for advocacy <laughs> so that the, it doesn't scare people off. Yeah, yeah. I do like um, the idea of, and you touched on this, that, that sometimes just changing the language we use changes how it's received, but also it changes how we think and how we act. And so if advocacy is intimidating, what else could we be talking about? Pushing back is really a scary way to talk about it, I think. It is. Um, you know, but, one but of the chapters something. is what if early childhood educators push back? Sure. Because I mean, you have to imagine if they hadn't shut up and done their jobs, you know, if they said, hey, no more, mm -hmm. no mas, basta. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. As we say in Italian. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, use the example of the, the Seattle teachers who um, weren't going to do that MAP, M-A-P test anymore because it was taking time and money and energy and it had nothing to do with what they were learning. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the heck those initials stood for. Yeah. But they just said, basta, we're not, you know, enough. We're not doing it anymore. Yeah. And they stood together. That's, yeah. that's a big part of advocacy. You mm -hmm. know, don't try to go it alone. And of course, now we've got the internet and all so that people all around the world were able to stand with them. Right. And they won that battle, you know? Yeah. I, I just, I think we have, we have power we don't realize. Yes. Um, and, and we have that fear that gets in the way of, well, what if something bad happens to me? Of course, I don't want anyone to be unemployed because they, you know, took a stand. But I think if we had, um, I mean, I think we have the numbers. <laughs> Yes. And I think yes, we have the, more of us than them. Yes. Right? And we have the passion and the expertise. And, uh, and if we did just ever decide to all just stand together 
and and head up that hill together yeah um then we would see that revolution yeah i I think that it, it maybe is coming you know, that we're tired of being marginalized. We're tired of not having a voice, mm-hmm. of not having a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. You know, these people are making decisions about our profession and they don't know anything about our profession. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It was in yeah. one of Alfie Cohn's books where he talked about, um, oh, you know, he didn't, ex- is it Alfie? Oh, I don't know. Somebody really good. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't expect the policymakers to keep up with the research in education any more than he expects them to keep up with the research in kidney disease. Uh-huh. The difference, he says, is that they're not telling the doctors how to do their job or when to, when to yeah. prescribe dialysis. They're telling us how to do our job. Yeah. And, and they, what gives them the right to do that? Absolutely. That sounds like Alfie. I'll buy that that's Alfie. <laughs> Like or fierce, one of his disciples. Yeah, me too. Um, but I, I, and that's a good point. And especially, you know, right now there is some optimism in the field because one of the things that COVID has done is sort of elevate our visibility and the idea that this is a public good. If mm-hmm. we're going to get everything back on track, we're going to need childcare. Yes. Um, we're going to need early educators. Um, but then I'm I'm terrified by that heightened that heightened <laughs> visibility, because again, the people who are going to see that and say, "Oh, okay," might not be the ones that we need. Well, that's that's a very valid fear because yeah. that's exactly what's happened already. Yeah. You know, we, we we went along for decades just doing our thing, right. and then suddenly the policymakers, the politicians, started noticing us, and I'm not quite sure how that happened. And it yeah. should have been a good thing. Yeah. And instead, it wasn't. No. It wasn't. Yeah. yeah. It was I mean, I, I've said before, I think we were just so happy to be allowed into the boat and now we're afraid to rock the boat. <laughs> like we were sort of left on the outside. Now we're in there. They're using our language. They're talking about our business. Um, yeah. But, but now we're like, okay, we'll just be grateful for the crumbs. And, um, and we don't we tend speak up to be enough. too humble, mm-hmm. uh, especially in early childhood yeah. education. Because we, you know, we love muffins. We're, we're not warriors. Right, right. We didn't come here to fight. We didn't come here to fight. We're, we're lovers, not fighters, as we say here in Virginia. Yeah. So, but at some point, you just get really ticked off, you know? Um, there are a couple of quotes that I use when I do my virtual presentations and, and, um, and for the last couple couple of them, uh, you know, that empower people. Uh-huh. I've been playing the Rocky theme. Nice. <laughs> them all pumped up and feel your power. <laughs> so That's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, we all you... have it inside of us uh-huh. and, and it, we don't all have to, you know, pull out the big guns. As you yeah. said, we can, yeah. we can do whatever we can. In our little patch. Yeah. I yes. think that will make a big difference. Yeah. Educating parents makes a big difference. Absolutely. I think, honestly, I think that Real change will only come when parents know what to look and ask for. I agree. And, I'm so uh, glad to hear you say that. I think they'll so get I, on our side and they'll, uh, you know, they'll help fight with us for mm-hmm. what's developmentally appropriate yeah. if they just understand what's developmentally yeah. appropriate. Yeah. And I have seen some of that in, mm-hmm. in the COVID era that we're in now. Um, uh I was sort of hoping that COVID wouldn't be such a big topic by September when I was recording podcast late October, late August, but um, here we still are. But I, I do think that there are some families who are coming 
towards us in that way because they've had their children at home with them more um, because they've seen sort of the futility of the current educational system and expectations. That's been my hope that they will see how much the children are learning through play. Mm -hmm. You know, if they, if they get them away from those computers, Mm -hmm. you know, and and they'll begin to understand how children really learn as they go through all of this, you know, as they take on the role of, of teacher. Yeah. Uh, and certainly there's been more appreciation for teachers, at least yeah. until they started talking about not wanting to go back to the classroom. And right. All of a sudden they're, you know. Until they tried to assert themselves. <laughs> yes. No. Yes. It's okay for the, you know, for the athletes to say, I'm opting out of this season, mm-hmm. you know, so that I can keep my family safe. Mm-hmm. But a teacher wants to keep herself, her students and her family safe. Yep. And suddenly, you know, she's a villain and she's lazy and she's, I don't know. I, that was unbelievable. Watching that, that trend was, was just really unbelievable. And, um, but it, so I had, I just had this story come to my mind as we were talking about parents. I have uh, one friend in particular who was so stressed out in the early uh, shelter in place um, and just couldn't handle working on her, you know, she was expected to still be working, but her, she had two children and it was so stressful because she couldn't be everything that they needed her to be. And then a month and a half or so in, she was like, Oh my God, if I leave them alone, they play together and I can do my work and they're getting their needs met together without me. And, um, and and I see learning now that I didn't see. And it was like one of those um, light from heaven moments (laughs) that I I wanted to multiply. I love that. I wanted to ask you, why do you think they pick on us <laughs> on early childhood teachers or on teachers in general? Because it's all teachers who are yeah. being, you know, seen as villains right now. Yeah. Is it because we're nice and they're bullies? I mean, no one is, is yeah. picking on the football players. That's true. You know, they're bigger than most people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, why are we so victimized? Um, you know, I think part of it is that no one... Uh, outside of drop-off and pick-up, very few of those people see what's really happening and all the things that the adults have to do in precedented times to keep children safe and, and, and engaged in learning. And now we're in these unprecedented times. And, you know, a classroom that couldn't keep enough tissue, Kleenex, now is suddenly making big promises. Their administration is making big promises to do all this distancing and and sanitizing and cleansing and right we we can't we don't have the supplies we need in right good times so so i think i mean i think there's just like a lack of awareness of what it's really like and it uh but but also i think it part of it is um they talk about school what what the people really need though is is an economic you know it's it's more about i need to get back to work so my kids need to be in school yeah. And um, women primarily make up the field that they're asking to do this work. And yes. women are expected to be carers and not mm-hmm. worry about compensation or themselves. We're expected to be selfless nurturers. Um, doesn't say that we aren't those things, but um, we have, I don't know, we're not taken seriously when we ask for different consideration. You're right. I think that's sort of rambled of all over the place, but I, that's, I mean, I think part of it is an unawareness of what it really looks like and takes. And the yeah, other part no, is, you know, I agree completely. I mean, we're just supposed to be selfless. Consider the woman part, but sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, 
if it has to do with women, then it's going down to the bottom of the priority list. But yeah. a, lot of, a lot of people do think they know what's involved in being a teacher because uh -huh. they've been to school, which is just ridiculous. Sure. Because yeah. unless you've done someone else's job, you never know yeah. everything that's involved in it. You know, and unless you understand child development, you aren't going to see how ridiculous it is to ask them to do some of these things we're asking them to do. You know, yeah. uh, I almost said post-COVID. Well, that was really <laughs> optimistic, wasn't it? Right. <laughs> post-COVID, maybe yeah. 2025 at this point. Yeah, but I, but I think that that appreciation for teachers in the beginning really came from a place of, it is hard to have my kids home with me. I'm yeah. not used to this. This isn't how I usually function. Right. Um, so I appreciate the people who helped me with that part of my life. Mm -hmm. And now we're all in this sort of fatigue, oh, you know, pandemic fatigue, and we're ready to get back to normal. And so we're just not as in, we have amnesia about those, those perspectives we had. Yeah, that's a good point. We, 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 pandemic fatigue is real. I mean, it's it real. Is hitting and, me. Yeah. And I, you know, I go up and down. I mean, I've been alone here with the cat for six months now. <laughs> and I, you know, considering, thank God I've got my work and yeah. that I've been able to switch to virtual keynotes and such. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, 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 my mood goes up and down. I mean, uh, lying in bed a couple of weeks ago thinking, geez, at my age, I haven't got the time to waste and I'm living a half life right now. Yeah. You know? And I'm missing out on all those experiences that, that, I moved here just outside of DC to have, mm -hmm. you know, I, and it's, it's it, almost enough to make me go out, but then who's going to take care of me if I get sick? Right. You know? Yeah. Not the cat. <laughs> there's, there's nothing easy about any of it. And no. and that is also frustrating, but it sounds like we need a zoom happy hour. <laughs> <laughs> I know I stopped ordering wine because you have to be present when they deliver the food, you know, <laughs> but it might be worth it. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Uh, I well, haven't stopped ordering the ice cream. So me neither. You can yeah, have I a, found a good one. We could have a, a Zoom ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Gosh. Well, this was really uh, a, a great conversation to have with you, Ray. I, well, I appreciate your time you. so much. Thanks. Um, I'm going to do one last plug for your book. Um, pop it up here on the screen. So when I do the video version, they know what they're looking for. Yeah, I um, love that cover. Yeah, that little boy's face is just great. Just mm -hmm. priceless. Yeah. Um, so again, it's called What If We Taught the Way Children Learn? And uh, you can find it about anywhere, it seems like. Yes, uh, now. At first, it was rather difficult. Yes. Everybody ordered. Postal yeah. things. And yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. There's a whole other topic. A whole um, other topic. Yeah. So, so, Ray, if they want to find you for your, your online classes, um, your website, you have a yeah raypika.com it's really easy i mean right. everything's there my yeah. blog yeah and you're um, on facebook and twitter so they can find you and yes see all those yes i have a facebook page raypika consulting i think it's called <laughs> yeah, i think you're right <laughs> <laughs> join me there. that's why i post all the good stuff so um, yeah 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 great it's been fun to see um uh, sort of everybody's shift to virtual uh, sad that it had to happen, but fun to see all the things that people are offering in terms of virtual opportunities. Um, yeah. Well, and, we all had to get creative a star. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? For so, sure. And, uh, you know, if we want to still be of service, we, Absolutely. we had to learn 
all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so there's there's been some growing happening for all of us, I think. Yes, uh, and we should us. pat ourselves on the back for that, and mm-hmm. and absolutely know that it hasn't been wasted six months. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, uh, so uh, sorry, I just was like suddenly I slipped into regular conversation. I forgot I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> being on those brain bubbles yes listeners will not be surprised that i that i lost my my place um (laughs) thank you again for your time ray and for the book and thanks everybody for listening to another episode come back next week we'll see ya that's the show now go get your nerd on has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.